to say happy almost Thanksgiving. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I really want to just get a picture of what are we thankful for. Um, feel free to just kind of shout out uh, what, what, are, what are some things that you are thankful for personally? Family. Family. What was that? Jesus. Jesus. Uh, that's great. God's love. Cool. What else? Oh, thanks, Jeremy. You're getting an extra special Christmas gift. <laughs> what else? What? Tacos. I am thankful for tacos. That's great. What else? Kids. Nature, living spring. Your, your age, I love it. You guys are funny. Oh, my gosh. You guys are learning way too much from Pastor John. Um, so... You guys are ridiculous. Uh, so as you know, we are, we are coming very close to Thanksgiving, and it's really cool because as a culture, we all just kind of spend today thinking, uh, or be, like talking about thankfulness and discussing how are we thankful, all that good stuff. And I got to be honest, I was like having a rebellious moment this week when I was preparing, and I was like, I don't really want to talk about thankfulness. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about giving thanks. And part of that's because I don't really love Thanksgiving all that much. Um, I'm just really excited for Christmas. Uh, but, <laughs> lots of woos. Um, but I think most of it also stems from, stems from the fact that I grew up in a, a divorced home and we didn't have a lot of traditions that we celebrated on Christmas other than what are you thankful for? And when my parents asked us that, my brother and sister and I would always just make stuff up on the fly. Like, we never thought about what we were thankful for beforehand. And so we didn't have traditions. We didn't really do much. I don't like Thanksgiving food. Like, turkey puts me to sleep. And stuffing was literally stuffed inside of something else. And I just can't get over that. So I'm not, like, I'll let you fill in the blanks there. I, I'm not a fan. Um, and so... I really, like, Thanksgiving has just not ever been one of my favorite holidays. Um, but over the last couple years, I've become, uh, I've become more, more uh, excited about Thanksgiving. And, and it really started about four years ago uh, that I started practicing an, this act of thankfulness. Um, and it, it kind of happened because Rihanna, uh, we had just started dating at the time, and my, my girlfriend at, at that time, now wife, she, uh, <laughs> she, we were having a texting conversation, and she interrupts our texting by calling me, which is like a grave sin. You don't call someone while you're texting them. It's just, uh, you don't do it. Um, so she, she calls me. She's like, I had an idea. We should try something. And she's like really excited. I think she's really cute. And, um, and I'm just like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, what, what do you want to try? And I didn't realize that that moment was going to change my life. We'll come back to that. Um, we're going we're gonna to go to, oh, gotcha. Can we go to the next slide, please? Um, oh, that's, our, that's stuffing. I don't like it. Um, go to the next one. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to read from, uh, from the book of Philippians today, and we're just going to kind of jump around a little bit. And, and the thing I love about the book of Philippians is it was, it was this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, this city. And what, oh, thanks. Uh, what's so unique about 
this, this epistle is that Paul is not being, like, he's not throwing a lot of shade. He's not being, like, criticizing of the church. It's one of the few instances that Paul writes to a church, and it's not as a response to a crisis. It's not to correct them. He, the Philippians are doing things well. They, they have, like, one little thing that he kind of addresses briefly, but he spends, like, two verses on it, and then the rest of the time, it's just this ushy-gushy love letter from Paul to the Philippians. And it is so good. Like, it, it's so unique because Paul is gentle and kind and loving. And that's not usually words I, like, associate with Paul um, personally. But I, I just want to read this. And, and the reason I, I bring this up is because, thank you. Um, when I read the book of Philippians, I was thinking about it this week. And I, when I read it, when I read about how Paul has just such great affection for the Philippians, for the, the church of Philippi, it made me think about the type of letter that Pastor John would write to Living Spring. He, like, I, I know that you see him all the time, and he jokes, and he's funny, and he, like, he, he loves you, and that's evident, but it, there are a lot of pastors out there that don't, like, they, they, they love their church, but they don't always like their church. Um, John loves and likes you, <laughs> and, and I, I love and like you, too. Don't get me wrong, I lo- but I... <laughs> Pastor, Pastor John, as, as, as the lead pastor here, I was just thinking about what type of letter would John write to Living Spring? And I think it would, I think it would resonate a lot with the book of Philippians. So this is, this is what I mean, though. This is how Paul says it. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my, in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. Can you go to the next slide, please? It's, our Wi-Fi is apparently just not very good. So I'm going to let you just kind of do that. Um, for God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And next one. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Normally when I read Paul, um, I, I, I have one of two feelings. I either feel, A, like, yeesh, I would not want to pastor that church, or B, yeesh, I would not want Paul to be my pastor. Um, <laughs> Like, because Paul is harsh in some, time, in some cases. And when you, read it, when you read his text a little bit more fully, you understand that he has to be. He, he's correcting a church that is not treating people like Jesus. They're not being hospitable. They're not being kind or gentle or caring. And so he has to correct them. But it sometimes comes off a little like harsher than we might say today. Um, but Paul, when he writes to the Philippians... It is so clear that he loves them and is writing to them because he cherishes the relationship that he has with this church, with the people in this church. And he just wants to express that love and that gratitude and that kindness to, to this church. Um, get this. This is from Philippians 4.1. Go ahead and go to the next one. He says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in this way, my beloved, like, this is really sweet, and this is not the way John would talk to you. He would use less pet names. Um, but, 
this is, this is the sentiment. He loves this church. He lo- Paul loves the Philippian church. And he's genuinely grateful for them. Today, I want us to, uh, to spend a little bit of time talking not about giving thanks. I, I think that's really important. We, we do need to give thanks. But instead, I want us to reorient our, our, the way we think about thanksgiving, the way we think about giving thanks as Christians, um, the way we approach God in our daily lives. And, and instead of giving thanks, I, I would challenge us today to become grateful people, to become thankful people, people for whom gratitude is a cornerstone, a pillar of exactly who we are and the type of lives that we live. And so um, when Rihanna interrupted our conversation four years ago, uh, she, she's like, we should try something. And I'm like, sure. And she goes, we should write a list every day of the things that we're thankful for and send it to each other. And I, like, when, you're, when your new girlfriend that you think is adorable says something like that she's really excited about and she just came up with this great idea, it really is a great idea. And you, like, you just have to get excited too. And so I, I was like, yeah, we should do that. We should text each other every day a list every day. And, and if you don't know my wife, she is the most quintessential list maker I have ever met. Um, she loves lists. Like, it's like a, a love affair that she has with lists, okay? I have a friendly relationship with lists, but we're like acquaintances. Um, I, like, I'll make them when I need to, but she's, like, deeply in love with them. And so, <laughs> stupid jokes, I know. Um, but it's true. She really loves lists. And, we, like, we go on vacation, and she maps out the entire weekend. I'm like, where's the room for, for flexibility and fun? And she's like, it is fun. I'm like, okay, it's fun. <laughs> so we start texting each other every day. Uh, the, this list of the things that we're thankful for. And I, I start to get into it. Like, I don't usually like making lists, but I love this list. Every day, I would write lists. And I got so into it that Thanksgiving came and went, and we're, we were still writing lists to each other every day. And, and I got so into it that this lasted for six months because I was so into it. And she didn't tell me that she had an end date of Thanksgiving in mind. Like, I just thought it was like every day for the rest of our lives. And so we just just kept doing it. Let me rephrase. I kept doing it. I was very faithful. She like, it was like the one time she fell off. Like, I did less better. So, but every day for six months, I religiously sent her a, a text message with a list of things that I was grateful for. And... This was so transformative for me. I, like, it didn't even matter what kind of mood I was in. Like, I didn't have to be in a thankful mood to send her a list. It became one of the great rhythms of my life. I, I, when I was, like, really excited or happy, in a good mood, I sent her a text with the list on it. When I was in, like, when I was bummed out, I sent her a text with the list in it. When we had just gotten into an argument, which happened a lot that first year, I sent her a text with my list in it. Every single day for six months, I went to sleep thinking about the things that I was grateful for. A little later in the the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, 
he says this. Uh, can, can we go to four? Uh, yeah. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is just a snippet from a section of uh, Philippians. It's the only real section where Paul is addressing a conflict or a potential conflict. Um, he, he's, he's talking to the church and he says, encourage your, the, the, these two women who are essentially the, the leaders of the congregation. They're their pastors on site. And he's saying, encourage them towards unity, to be of one mind. Because there, there, there might have been some conflict. We don't know any of the details. It was like, it was like two verses that address all the conflict in the church. And then Paul does something that I like to refer to as an encouragement rant. Um, if you have never heard of an encouragement rant, it's because I made it up right now. Um, it's basically when, uh, you've probably experienced this before, where someone uh, is, you're in a conversation with someone and the, they start saying something really nice, really encouraging, great stuff, but you're kind of confused about like how it connects to the conversation that you guys were actually having. Does that, does that ever happen to you or just, just me? Okay. Uh, Rihanna knows because she's laughing because it, I do this a lot. And I, I think Paul does it. Um, it it's kind of what happens here. Paul's addressing the church. He's encouraging the church toward unity, toward uh, humility. And then all of a sudden he jumps to, uh, to this, this, um, this really well-known passage, but he just he starts encouraging the church. And he says, rejoice twice says it twice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And when Paul repeats something, when anyone repeats something, really, it's an indication that you want to pay attention. It's an indication that I'm about to say something important, or I am saying something important. Like, you should, you should listen. Pay attention to this. So we know that Paul is about to say something very important. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. So this seems like something natural that most Christians would agree that we, like as, as, as Christians, as a church, we want to be known for our gentleness. We want to be known for our gentleness, our kindness, our love. But I also know a lot of you in here. I know your stories with the church and with Christians, and that, that hasn't always been the case. I know that your, your stories of Christian or involving Christians, has not always been gentle. Um, some of you are in here right now despite the lack of gentleness that you've experienced from the church. A lot of you are in here testing the waters to see if Christians really are as kind as they seem at some event that they throw. Shane Claiborne, who's a uh, really well-known pastor and author, he says it this way. He says, um, he, he diagnoses the church in the West, and he says, it should break our hearts that often we Christians are known more for what we're against than what we're for, for who we have excluded than for who we have embraced. This is the unfortunate reality of our world. Much of our culture doesn't know Christians or experience Christians to be gentle. Most of the world, does, the secular world at least, does not experience the church as a place that is healing, as a place that is gentle to them. And this is one of the reasons that I'm really grateful that I'm part of this church and this congregation, that I get to be with you every Sunday. Because 
my experience tells me that you are gentle, that you are kind, that you are loving. It's one of the reasons that I think John would write a letter very similar to, the, to Philippians, to this church. I mean, you host an event every year that serves the, right now we're serving 31 schools in this city, and we're, we're not proselytizing. We don't share the gospel uh, from a pulpit, but your love, your gentleness in that instance is exactly what Paul is talking about. The community of Garden Grove knows Living Spring because of your gentleness. So Paul goes on. He says, the Lord is near. And this kind of seems a little disconnected to me, but, and I'm not sure if Paul is making a statement about Jesus' like, coming, if he's, if he's like, Jesus is coming back soon, or if this is more of a like, Jesus is always with you kind of thing. And I don't actually think it matters. Um, I, I don't think it matters all that much because both answers are yes. Like, I think Paul just wants it to be known. There should be no question about if Jesus is returning and if he is with you. Yes. So Paul continues, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now I want to pause here for a moment, and this isn't necessarily related to, this is it's part of the, the message, it will connect, but it's not something to do necessarily with the text or with, uh, with Christianity as a whole, but I think most of us have experienced stress or anxiety in this room, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't ask rhetorical questions, yeah? Sweet. Um, cool. I love getting responses. Um, so most of us have experienced some form of stress, anxiety, and, and we know from medical research, from, uh, from studies done, that stress and anxiety are, the, the rate at which people are, are experiencing stress and anxiety are increasing dramatically in recent years. I think 5% every year. Anxiety, uh, anxiety disorders are now the most common form of mental illness in the U.S. 40 million people are affected by anxiety disorders. That is one in five people. It's a lot. And so when Paul has the audacity to say, don't worry, like, don't be anxious, my response is, dude, you're giving me anxiety by telling me not to have anxiety, okay? Like, I, I, yeah, it's just not, not, not a good thing for me. Um, I get feisty with Paul. He, he's okay with it, but maybe you're not. If you're, if you're not, write John a letter. Um, it's John at Living Spring. Um, so Paul, though, uh, or sorry, Jesus actually addresses anxiety as well. In, in his most famous sermon, um, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters uh, 5 to 7 of Matthew, in the middle of that, Jesus pauses and tells everyone, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about your, about your life. First of all, he's starting big. Like, don't worry about your life at all. Then don't worry about your, what you eat, what you drink, about your body, or what you'll wear. And then he gives some really great reasons to not worry. Like, the birds of the air don't sow or reap. They don't, they, they don't store away in barns, but your Heavenly Father still feeds them, still takes care of them. 
the, the flowers of the field, don't, like, they don't spin, they don't gather silk or, or garments, and yet they are clothed more splendidly than any king, than Solomon. Personally, these are great reasons to not worry, but I, I don't always resonate with that. Because I, 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 I sit there thinking, I'm like, I, I read it and I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I feel like I am... Uh, I'm disobeying Jesus because I say in the moment, I'm not going to stress. I'm not going to be anxious. And tomorrow comes around and I have a meeting. I I have an assignment. I get stressed. I get anxious. And the cycle repeats. And it's not just a decision that I make one time and all of a sudden my problem uh, with anxiety and stress is gone. And I know that many of you probably feel similarly. But it's why I think Paul's command here is so important. He doesn't just tell us reasons we shouldn't worry. He's teaching us how not to worry. And I'm not, please hear me, I'm not bashing on Jesus. I think his sermon is wonderful. Um, It's life-changing. But this is one of the most important things that I've found in Paul. And let me just, he says, in everything, by prayer and supplication, which just means like asking, petitioning, with thanksgiving, that your request be made known to God, It'd be one thing if Paul just said, like, go talk to your Heavenly Father. Go talk to God. Like, which to me, anytime when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, like, we were hanging out with some friends that have kids, and I was thinking, like, when, like, like when kids ask uncomfortable questions, it's so easy to just be like, go talk to your mom or go talk to your dad about that. Like, go ask your dad. Go ask your mom. Uh, if you're a teacher, you probably do the same. Like, go ask your parents. That's a great question for them. Um, <laughs> But Paul gives us instructions here. He says, let your request be made known to God through prayer and petition. Let, let God know what you're asking for and then give thanks. Remember the things that God has done. Remember the things that God has accomplished in your life as you're asking for, for what you need. Because I, I, I don't want anyone to leave here thinking today, okay, I'm not supposed to ask God for what I need because I just need to be thankful. No, ask God what you need. Ask God for what you need. They, like, that is one of God's most joyous times. Think about the, the joy that you get when you get to give a gift. I'm sitting on a, like, a really cool gift that is both her birthday and Christmas gift for Rihanna, and I can't wait to give it to her. I'm like debating, do I give it to her at Christmas or, think, or her birthday? I'm like, I'm going to give it to her at her birthday because I get to give it to her faster. I, like, how much joy do you get when you get to give a gift? When someone asks you for something and you have the capacity and the ability to give it. Like, that is the joy that God has when you come to him and say, I need something. But it's also really, it, not that God gets anything out of it, but I think it helps us remember the things that God has already done in our lives. During the six months that I sent uh, Rihanna lists of the things I was grateful for, um, this daily practice of recognizing the things I was thankful for became my prayer of thanksgiving to God every night. I- I'm going to say that again. Every day, I would send a list of things that I was thankful for, and every day, that list became my prayer of thanksgiving to God. I thank God for my family, for my friends, my job, 
for individual students in the youth group, for individual colleagues and congregants. Uh, I thank God for Pastor John and for the other mentors in my life. I thank God for the doctors who found out about my thyroid disorder that I, that I was struggling with at that time. I lost a lot of weight, and I didn't know why, um, which I wasn't complaining about, but other people were. Um, I, I was thankful for my, my therapist who was working with me to become more emotionally aware. I, I'm really bad about acknowledging when I'm angry or upset or frustrated or, or even like some of the positive emotions, but I, I have a really hard time just naturally acknowledging those things. And so I was seeing a therapist, and I was thankful for this therapist. I thank God for board games, for coffee. I thank God for long drives. I, I Honestly, I thank God for arguments that Rihanna and I had during that six months. And they were regular. Like, they, they were frequent. And I was thankful for the arguments that I won. They were, those were rare. Um, but I was thankful for those. This time of my life was so transformative that it became the, the framework for my vow, my wedding vow. Um, Rihanna and I said, uh, we, we, we said traditional vows at our wedding, but we also took a moment to, to write and read a, a letter to one another uh, in public during the ceremony. And my vow to her was that every single day I would thank God for I would never stop thanking God for her. And so every, I, oh, that's really cute, thanks. Um, every day I had a single thing. I, I started with one thing now to thank God for, every single day. I want to, um, to make that same vow to you because I, as I was preparing this, I realized I go many days without thanking God for Living Spring, and not because I'm angry at Living Spring, not because I don't want to thank God, but because it slips my mind. And so I'm making a vow that every day I will thank God for Living Spring, for you here. And so now I have two things every day that I start with. And, and that'll, that'll grow, but that one thing, if you can find one thing every day that you are guaranteed to be thankful for, that is important. One of the pastors that I go to for, uh, for counseling or for um, just when I need advice or prayer, uh, he recently told me that there are studies on gratitude that show that when, uh, that when people spend five minutes a day being grateful, like recognizing the things that they are thankful for, they have better mental and emotional health. They, they tend to be less, generally less stressed and less anxious. In Christian terms, they're experiencing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding spending five minutes a day. How does that make sense? How does it make sense that spending five minutes a day would decrease your stress and anxiety? It doesn't, but God is good. So as the worship team comes back up, I'm going to give you a few minutes uh, or a few simple steps to become people who don't just do, uh, who don't just give thanks, but who are thankful, who are grateful people. I want you to leave here knowing that there, are, there is an option for you to not just give thanks, but to have great gratitude as a cornerstone of who you are and how you live your life. Step one, big step one, um, this is your action for today. You all got a connection card. If you don't have a connection card, we can get you one. Go see us in the back. It's at the half circle table uh, in the foyer. 
I, I want you to write on your connection card and turn it in, like put it in the box today. You don't have to put your name if you don't want to, but I, write on the connection card one person or thing that you are thankful for. That's it. And then you will have a prayer team. We have a prayer team at, at this church who prays for every single one of your connection cards every single day or every single week. You will have an entire prayer team praying for and thanking God with you for what you write on your connection card. That is powerful. If you think back to the Acts church, the first church that, uh, that started after Jesus' resurrection, we see that they, were doing, they lived life together, they, they shared space, they shared prayers, they thanked God together. They approached God together. And so don't just do gratitude on your own as part of the community connection card, one person or one thing that you are thankful for, and you will have a lot of people thanking God with you. Step two, this is your action for this week. I want you to start every day, this, just this week, you can do it longer if you want, but this week, start your day with gratitude. Start your day by thanking God for something in your life. Look at your calendar if you need to. I, if you're like me, my first prayer of thankfulness is for uh, the snooze button. So I don't know if you resonate, but that's me. Uh, honestly, this is, this is really hard for me at times. The thing that I, I do that helps me is I set an alarm in my phone titled prayer. I have to remind myself to pray. If that's you, write it in your calendar. Write it in your alarms. Set something that will, will remind you to pray, to thank God for one more day. Finally, step three. This is your long-term uh, life goal. I don't expect you to get there today, tomorrow, maybe the next day, but um, I, I want you to change your mindset around Thanksgiving. Don't, like, we can't just view Thanksgiving as a day that we give thanks. View this as a reminder of the type of people that we need to be. As Christians, as people that love Jesus, we need to hear Paul say, rejoice, give thanks. I want you to start thanking God for the people that, uh, that, you, that are in your life, the people, the things that you, that you have. And honestly, maybe this is even easier for you, for some of you, start thanking God for the people and the things that are not in your life. Um, if that's easier for you, start there. That's okay. I, I think that as, uh, as you intentionally approach your days, looking, seeking out things that, that you want to be grateful for, I guarantee you that that will change your life. You'll find them. I'm going to say that again because this is important. Remember the lesson that Paul taught us two times. If you intentionally look for things, to be grateful for. Every day, you will find them and your life will be different. Mine was. It is. <laughs>